Thursday, everyone. It's three o'clock. Actually, it's three o four. A little late today, but we all know what that means. It's time for Broker Talk, the number one weekly real estate podcast hosted by industry experts. And if you want to chat with us in real time and possibly ask us some questions while we're on the air, you can go to broker-talk.com or the Castles Unlimited Facebook page and join in on the conversation. Once again, we're broadcasting from the top of the Castles Unlimited Space Needle in Boston, Massachusetts. Also, please go to broker-talk.com for a full list of all the Broker Talk intro and outro music. It is on Spotify as well. Some great music. Broker Talk today is sponsored by the Mighty Realtors of Castles Unlimited and the Savage Wiener. I'm your host, Jim Moenstern. My co-host is Larry Lawfer, as always. Larry, how are you doing today? I am doing excellent. I've uh, moved the show to the front porch, uh, but I needed to uh, I needed to say something, and I think it's really important right now. The reason why Black Lives Matter is not because all lives don't matter at all. It's Black Matter Lives Matter because we have far more Black people who are being killed, far more Black people who are being incarcerated. On a daily basis, there's systemic racism. Here in Boston, here in Boston, we had um, a uh, Globe story earlier this week that uh, some people who were tracking how rents are done found out that when you made a call and your name was Brad or something like that, you had a 72% chance of getting uh, into the property. If you used a, 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 a more ethnic name, uh, Rashid, uh, uh, whatever it is, uh, you had only a 42% chance. This is illegal. It has to change. Black lives are matter because it does matter. I don't want to live in a country that uh, all of us aren't equal. And to that, we have an absolutely fabulous guest. Amari Paris Jeffers has been in social justice since uh, since the beginning. He's a um, uh, veteran and he is currently the, uh, are you the CEO of uh, King Boston or? The executive director, yes. The yes. Exec executive director. Welcome aboard, Amari, I'm a uh, big fan. Th thank you for having me, Jim and Larry. Um, Amari, could you tell us a little bit about what's going on with, with King Boston before we, before we start, what it is, what its aims are, and then we're going to get further into the real estate part of it. Well, well King Boston is an initiative uh, started a few years ago uh, by a gentleman named Paul English. And if you know Paul English, if that name sounds familiar to you, uh, he was one of the founders of Kayak, uh, the, the travel website. And so him and, and a few others like Liz Walker uh, and other leaders uh, thought and conceived of an idea of honoring the Kings, uh, both Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King, who spent their formative years in Boston in the 50s and later in 1965 uh, held a um, um, monumentous march from Roxbury to the Boston Common uh, and to the Parchment Bandstand um, to, to protest and to illuminate four uh, injustices that were pre prevalent in Boston during that time um, centered around one of those issues was housing. Uh, another was schools. 
Another was poverty. And then the last one was racial equity. And so those were the four issues uh, that the march um, tried to gain attention around. And Dr. King was here in 65 uh, to to um, to help spearhead and, and lend some um, support behind the march. Uh, and so the memorial, the, the Embrace Memorial, uh, which was erected and created by Hank Willis Thomas. Uh, and it came about through a contest that was held, uh, a national contest calling for artists to create public art that could celebrate the King's legacy while they were in town, but also to celebrate Boston's commitment to equity and social justice. And so it's both honoring the Kings who, who are worthy of being honored with memorial um, and their love story here, but also about our love story with our city uh, and our region. Uh, and we hope during the, this time of um, three pandemics, uh, one viral, uh, one racial, and, and one economic, uh, that, that will come out as a region uh, renewed with a, renew set, re, with a new set of values and that the embrace represents those values. Coupled with the embrace is the King Center for Economic Justice, which is the action arm of um, of the of King Boston uh, and the King Center for Economic Justice focuses on housing, public education, uh, racial justice, um, and um, and schools, um, all centered around economic justice. And so that's that's the center. It will be located in Roxbury, uh, housed in the uh, Boston Public uh, Library, the Roxbury branch. And so I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I'm pretty excited to um, be a part of uh, the Embrace Memorial. Thank you guys for having me to talk about it. Well, we're we're excited to have you here to talk about it. I first met Amari, I can't remember how long ago it was, but Amari was looking for property and he came to one of the listings that I had. Um, he was looking for a place that he could live in and feel comfortable with, but he was also looking for a place where his kids who were shared between he and his wife um, could also come. So, uh, uh, Mari, uh, you uh, were um, a single parent at that point. Uh, talk about the process of being a single parent, a father, looking for a place uh, that your teen children, I think they were teens at the time. Yeah, and, the, you know, they were, they were definitely, they were young, young teens, and now they're, uh, four years later, they're, they're older teens um, you know, finding a place is, is important, and especially a place that you you feel like uh, you can call home. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we know about Massachusetts and about real estate, um, you know, this, this was a region that was uh, greatly impacted by redlining. Um, and, and now, um, in, in 2020, um, pre-pandemic, um, one could argue there's a different form of redlining, and that redline, redlining is economic. And so when the, when the median, and I've seen different sources, uh, cost of a two-bedroom apartment rental can go anywhere from 2,800 uh, to 3,200, you know, depending on who you talk to, um, that limits who's able to rent in a neighborhood, and that limits who's able to buy in a neighborhood. And so as a result, you have de facto redlining, uh, because we know, uh, according to a uh, a uh, recent study by the uh, Federal Bank of Boston uh, that the average median net worth of African Americans in Boston is $8. And the average median net worth of uh, a white family in Boston is 275000 And so it's, it's the color of money. It's a report that came out by the Federal Bank of Boston 
um, looking at the wealth index. And so if your median net worth is, is lower, and again, median means that there's some folks who are dramatically higher, but it also means that there's folks who are incredibly, incredibly lower than that. And so that the average is $8. Um, it limits where you can live. And um, we know in Massachusetts, there are four enclaves where uh, African-Americans um, have a high concentration of home ownership and uh, middle-class income. One of those neighborhoods is in Hyde Park. Uh, Milton is another. Um, Stoughton and Randolph are the other two. And so it was important to me when thinking about you know, raising, raising my kids and moving from being uh, in a two-family household to being a single parent because my kids live uh, you know, they live part of the time with me and part of the time with, with, with their mom, um, that they be in a community that they felt comfortable. Um, they be in a community where there are people that look like them live, who are homeowners, um, who uh, are not homeowners, who are renters and feel a sense of belonging to their neighborhood. And, you know, Boston has that sense of belonging. And so Hyde Park, where I live, made the most sense for me. Uh, and, you know, Larry, you know, I think, uh, an agent like you who is sensitive to um, not only the the plights as that as that research study pointed out of, of people of color when they're, when they're looking for places uh, but of family and parents is, is key it's critical and so you know I, I definitely thank you and you know you, you've never been a stranger to anyone you, you have that personality so I'm glad that you and I have been able to maintain that relationship and so which is which is kind of un, you know maybe not unusual in the real estate profession that um, folks that you buy and sell houses become, you know, your friends and, um, you know, allies in, in the work. And so, um, you know, I think it's, it was important to me, you know, that, you know, I, I ended up uh, connecting with you as an agent during that time and that, you know, you really helped me um, find a place that I could call home and, and really establish new roots for my family. You did a, a hell of a job uh, rehabbing that. It's just so, it's so way cool. Um, you should, you uh, should see it now. It's a lot. It's, 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 it, it looks, it, 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 it's amazing. It looks just like a car. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's comfortable, like bucket seats and all. <laughs> um, I, I do think that, that uh, the daily um, systematic um, racism that exists uh, is everywhere. And I think that it's really essential that agents be aware of that, to answer all your calls, to to not make judgments about people based on anything other than, than how they are and are they ready, willing, and able to make a purchase or a rental. Um, that's what we should be thinking about. But I, I really hope I can unearth some people who are being racist like this because I would be happy to turn them in. Um, uh, it's just unacceptable behavior right now. Can we, can we just turn them in if they don't return their calls? Yeah, that'd be a good thing too. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and, you know, I think the other part about, about this, Larry, is like, is to understand that, you know, agents are also under a lot of pressure, right? And so, how do we how do we acknowledge the systemic racism of this, right? And so, if you're an agent, and part of your your livelihood for your very family is to ensure a successful rental or home owner ownership, and so the the system itself that sets agents up to have to make choices, and now these are not good choices. That hey, 
is this person going to be the person who I can land in this place so that my family can be secure? Like the system itself sets, sets a framework up so that agents make bad decisions. And so there's, there's the individuals who practice racism where they just, just not going to do it. But there's also the systemic racism that um, puts, puts agents in a situation where, um, you know, they, they feel like they have to make these decisions. And so there's, there's got to be a way that we as a, as a, as a sector um, redefine new ways in which agents can make a living um, and also ensure that, you know, that people feel safe at home and that we're creating homes for people. And, you know, that that requires a different level of conversation. Uh, you know, there's some some I think there's some bad actors to your point. Um, but there's a conversation that we need to have about the system. Right. Right. Um, uh, yeah, ex- exactly. Um, the reality is, though, that we have these laws to protect uh, the people and the whole thing about what they call in our industry commission breath. If your agent is only interested in you as a number to feed their family, you're working with the wrong person because we all have houses or apartments that we like and live in. We're not doing it for us. We're doing it for you. And if we're not focused on you, that's going to be evident at some point. Wouldn't you think, Jim? I mean, you have a, a, an amazing story about uh, uh, a deal you just lost because of, was it ghosts? Well, I, I wouldn't say it was Were they ghosts. white? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, let's, uh, let, me, let me find that. Uh, yeah, so uh, I had uh, sold a house on Sunday evening, and I was supposed to meet the broker there to let the buyers teenagers in to see the house. They were all excited. They hadn't seen it. And um, let's see. Here's what I got as a text an hour and a half before the showing. Hey Jim, the buyers kids apparently Googled the owners last night and found out that he died in the house and they're all freaked out. The buyers tried to tell them it was okay. He passed away at old, from old age, but they are completely freaked. Long, ridiculous story short, they are backing out of the deal. 89-year-old man was in the hospital. Uh, the hospital nicely allowed him to go home to basically pass away in his bed, surrounded by family and friends. What a wonderful story, full of love. 89 years old, you know, we should all be so lucky. Um, Don't put it in an obituary, apparently, because people will Google you and their teenage kids, you'll lose lose a deal. And and who knows? Are we going to get the same offer again? I don't know. (laughs) They say you can't make this up, but uh, if we did make it up, just writing the truth, nobody would believe us. Well, they had it. They had an inspection today in the, in the new house that they're buying, and the inspector found a rotting corpse in the uh, crawl space. I mean, it, it just never oh, ends. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's not. It's not actually uh, that funny. But um, Amari, do you think uh, we've heard in in? Um, around our sports teams that uh, some people, and we certainly have had actual racist incidents 
at Fenway, you know, uh, um, around our athletes. Do you think that that we are more racist here or do you think it's like just the way it is? Um, and there are some really stupid people out there. Yeah, you, you know, I think I think um, you know Ibram Kendi, who who is the renowned scholar, he, you know, he wrote the book recently, "How to Be Anti-Racist." You know, re- really talks about um, you know either either you're racist uh, or you're anti-racist, and there's no such thing as non-racist. And so, um, walking around being you know neutral or ambivalent around racism doesn't make you not racist. It just means that you are racist because your silence makes you complicit. And so, you know, recently also, you know, on PBS and, and through a series, of, you know, in conjunction with Harvard, the, the, the story of our, the founding of our country rooted in, in slavery, um, you, you know, I, I would argue that, you know, our, our country was based on a, on a form of, of racism, right? And so we all are impacted by racism, regardless of your color or ethnicity. The, the, the idea is to be anti-racist, and which is to interrogate the ways in which um, our society rooted on, in racism um, perpetuates it. And, and it's, you know, it's, you know, we, we have to acknowledge how our, our participation in systems and, you know, to go back to what we were mentioning early, earlier, inadvertently perpetuates racism or, or patriarchy um, through through its very actions. And we have to, to question question those things. And so, you know, I, I, I do I do have a lot of I don't like it and I think it's racist, but I ha- I understand a system that puts agents at odds with needing to fill and sell houses, right? Because you're you're living, your living is off of that. And so you know, if this this idea of separating us as individuals from the systems in which we work in is part of the, the way in which racism perpetuates itself, right? Because if we work in a system that is mostly made up of women, and if throughout the real estate industry, um, we are in firms that are highly made up of women and the women agents make proportionately or disproportionately less than the men agents, then we are practicing patriarchy. Um, and so, you know, are, are, are we in it to help people get into homes? Yes. But if the system where the women agents make less than the men agents is the system in which we're trying to get people in their homes, then, then the, the institution of itself is actually practicing patriarchy as a means to get people into homes. But I just, need, I, I just need to correct that. Women agents make the same money that men agents make. That's one of the reasons why so many women come into this, into this field. There, there is no differentiation. You're either, it's called a split. So when you, when you close on a commission, the broker owner makes that's who you pay. And then the broker owner gives you the agent, your own split, but there's no, uh, Jim, you're a broker owner. Do you, do you make a differentiation on, on, uh, gender? <laughs> well, if I did, I'm not going to admit it on, uh, on the air. Uh, no, of course not. But, uh, we do have a, a sponsor 
I'm sorry. I know it's an important topic. We will get back to it in one second. Let's pay the bills. Yes, let's pay the bills. Wiener. I love oysters. For years, they were the only thing I ever ate. I just love the way they made me feel. You know what I mean? But these days, I almost never eat oysters. I found something that makes me even happier. And that's the Savage Wiener. The Savage Wiener, the ultimate gourmet hot dog. Wow, those aren't really good. Hands off my savage wiener. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. That's I mean we're just talking we're just talking about patriarchy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, oh. like, maybe you know, maybe the splits are different, but I think if there was a study that looked at, you know, the percentage of yeah. women who sell homes and, and do men homes disprop- I mean, I don't know the research. I'm just saying writ large, you know, the movement around pay dis- pay inequity for women is is also real yeah. um, across industry. Yeah. So for every dollar a man makes, a woman okay. makes 75 So, so we're going to apologize for that ad, but it was made years ago. Let's just- yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is even worse. But uh, <laughs> your point, uh, uh, Amari, is that um, women are paid, what is it, 72, 86 cents on, on every dollar, and that it, it is wrong as well. Uh, with so many different things going on, it's hard to keep track, and I think people get tired of it um, uh, because we're ever vigilant, and then that causes people to be upset where they become the Karens or they're out on their front lawn with, with guns. Um, or- no, 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 come on. It, that was in the news today. That, that's been walked back successfully. It, it, they, they, were gre- they were being greeted by a, a raging mob coming down the street, and they were literally afraid for their lives. I believe that. I, I can see that. The, um, the gate was opened, and this peaceful group, from my understanding, as they walked across through this private area, they didn't belong there, but they, you can hear on the video that they're just saying, keep moving, keep moving. So oh, right, a, well. it was provocative, no doubt. I mean, it would, it, I'm sure they were intimidated. Yeah, they're uh, uh, listen. In, in uh, dis- they're lawyers. I'll, I'll, they're not I'll, intimidated. I'll, I'll tell you a personal story, and and I'm just I'm just the exact opposite. There was a riot in my high school, and uh, I I walked into a group of uh, black men. And I was probably the only white guy doing it because everyone else ran in the other direction. And I'm saying to myself, we're all, we're all brothers, right? Stitches in the head, cracked over the head with a cane. That that's what ended up, that's what ended up happening to me. So these people, I don't know, they'd had a different reaction. I, I didn't run and I didn't get violent. I just bled. So, you know, our, our, there's no, there's no answers for, for all of this stuff. 
Well, I think we, Amari is working on on some well, of the. Well, we we just got to try to be better people and help other people be better people also. Amari, do you have any um, last words on on this? As we. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like the you know the, this this sounds worthy of a of further conversation on, on the show, and um, you know, I I you know sy- systemic racism is real, and you know it was. Jim, it's unfortunate to hear, you know, what happened to you and, and, and well, luck, luckily uh, it was just stitches as, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part you never got back. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, do you know Steve Locke, Amari? He was the, the artist of color who was going to put the uh, art at Faneuil Hall and he pretty much got run out of town. Do you remember that? That was just last summer. Um, right. I think the, the, and if I remember correctly, was the art, um, it, was that the art piece that looked like the auction block? Um, I think it was. I, yeah, I think it was. And, and it had, uh, uh, he's installed it somewhere else, uh, the piece and it, it was fascinating, but the only reason I ask is he's a personal friend of mine. Um, he knows a lot about public art um, and the process because he does this uh, throughout the world. And just if you well, knew him, may, maybe in the uh, wrap-up show we'll talk about um, all the statues that are being torn down. Right? Yeah, 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 and why? I listened to a great uh, um, history professor from Yale talking about this which ones should go and which ones can stay. Okay, Broker Talk has been sponsored today by Castles Unlimited, where you get the best real estate offers. Online, go to castlesunlimited.com for all your real estate needs. Broker Talk is a weekly podcast hosted by real estate industry professionals and always dedicated to telling it like it is. I'm Jim Lowenstern. And I'm Larry Lawfer, and we want to thank Amari Paris Jeffers of King Boston for joining us today. A real pleasure, Amari. Great to see you again. Thank, thank you, Amari. Me. It's a great show. Thank you.